0: We're going on a road trip today, so I hope you brought your snacks and your favorite playlist. We are heading down a road called Obedience, on our way to our destination of being a disciple of Jesus. Now, so you don't get bored or start asking, are we there yet? How much longer? Well, let me give you a roadmap of where we're going today and some mile markers to look for along the way to keep you interested. Now, first of all, the entire journey will last your entire lifetime. Yes, you'll know you're there when you get to heaven or hell, depending on one big choice that you need to make in this lifetime. But today we'll be traveling for about 30 minutes. Here are some things to look for along the way. We're going to start by laying a foundation, showing that Jesus is actually, obeying Jesus, is actually a marker of being a disciple of Jesus. I mean, I can stand here and tell you that both Marlo and Joel told me that obeying God is part of being a disciple. But who are they to say that? I mean, unless it comes from the Word of God, you shouldn't trust anything that any of us up here say. Now, and I know that they do agree with me on that, Test everything by the Word of God. So we're gonna see if the Bible actually says that if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to obey God. Now, assuming that this concept checks out biblically, Prepare for some obstacles along the way, obstacles to obeying God. It's one of the things, it's one thing to know in our head that we should obey God, and, and even in our hearts who want to obey God, but it's something else entirely to take action and actually do it. So how do we know what God wants us to do? What if we can't hear His voice? What if we're afraid of what He might tell us to do? Well, after we get through these obstacles, Listen for some practical ways to get started obeying God. I don't want to give away too much here in the introduction, but there are at least three things that we can do. Keep your ears open for that mile marker. All right, let's check out the foundation for this whole trip. Does the Bible really say that obeying God is part of being a disciple of Jesus? In John 8:31 and 32, Jesus said, "'If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples.' then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free." Well, that's pretty clear. Looks like Marlo and Joel were right. Because then again, in John 14, 15 to 21, Jesus said, "'If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, too, will show th- love them and show myself to them. I would think that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you would love him, and you will want to obey him. This foundation is looking pretty solid to me, so I'm going to keep on driving. Luke 9, 23-26, Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels." We've just come to a dead stop on our road trip. There is a caution sign on the road. Here's something you must pay attention to. You know, there are many people and religions who agree that Jesus was a good man and a good teacher. Some things that he has said have been universally adopted in varying forms as good advice for people to follow to be successful and happy in life. Things like the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But there is this giant caution sign in the middle of the road. Obeying God is not just agreeing that Jesus set a good example for for us to follow, and He said some wise things. You cannot follow Jesus' teachings without the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. Without His help, you will fail. It's that simple. And you cannot have the Holy Spirit living inside you, enabling you to follow Jesus' teachings, until you fully surrender your life to Jesus. Well, what does that mean? It's three steps. Accept that you are a sinner and you can't do anything about that yourself to forgive your own sins. Number two, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and His death on the cross paid the price to forgive your sins. And number three, make Jesus the Lord of your life. These steps make up that one big choice that determines whether the end of your road trip is heaven or hell. It's that last step, lordship, that is written on the caution sign in the middle of our road. Alistair Begg, in his blog entitled, What Does It Really Mean to Take Up Your Cross and Follow Jesus, wrote, Jesus said of the one who wishes to follow him, let him deny himself. In other words, the follower of Jesus is to say, my life is no longer all about me. It's no longer all about the identity or reputation I've been establishing. It's no longer all about my agenda. We are instead to lose ourselves in Christ. By thoughts, words, and deeds, we say, I will fulfill my dreams, I will achieve my desires, I will meet my needs, and I will not tolerate anything or anyone that stands in the way. But our God-given calling is to worship and serve our Creator. In Luke 6, 46 to 49, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do as I say? For everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. In his book, Christ's Call to Discipleship, James Montgomery Boyce says, they called him Lord, which means they were calling him their master and were putting themselves forward as his servants. But they were disregarding his teaching. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus cannot be our Lord without obedience. And if He is not our Lord, we do not belong to Him. This, my friends, is what Lordship is. Is Jesus the true Lord of your life? Are you just following His sayings? Are you trying to live a good life like Jesus? Or is He your master? are you committed to being his servant? It's very possible to take the first two steps of admitting your sin and accepting Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as a payment for your sin, but to not yet fully embrace making him your Lord. We're going to move cautiously ahead on our road trip, but keep that big caution sign in your mind as we travel. Keep asking yourself, if Jesus is really the Lord of every area of your life. Because if you really want to be his disciple, you must obey his teachings, all of them. Well, we have passed the big caution sign that we had to stop at, and we're back on our highway. But there are some obstacles ahead. Some sharp curves, some high mountains, some debris to maneuver around. Obstacles to obedience are the next mile marker to let you kind of know where we are in our journey. What keeps us from obeying God even when we desire to be a disciple of Jesus? First one that comes to my mind is, I don't know what God is asking me to do. I can't hear His voice. How do you know what Jesus wants you to do? Should you leave your job or stay with it? Should you be an astronaut or a missionary? How does Jesus speak? How does He exercise His proper lordship in your life? And this is a frustrating obstacle for many of us. In our February 12th gathering, which was online only, Miriam Jenkins shared a very transparent testimony of learning to listen to God's voice using the questions given to us as part of our church's 3x5 challenge for 2023. Five minutes of praying, uh, reading the Bible, five minutes of praying, and then five minutes of listening to God's voice. Now you can read the questions that she referred to by clicking on the 3x5 graphic at eaglemont.info. And you can listen to Miriam's testimony on our Eaglemont Church YouTube channel. I could relate so well to Miriam's experience. Even after being a follower of Jesus for more than 50 years, I find it hard to listen to him. For me, sitting quietly is a challenge. <laughs> my mind bounces all over the place, and I question if the thoughts that are popping into my head are really from God. I feel like maybe Jesus doesn't love me as much as some other people because he doesn't really talk to me that way or or maybe he's just not interested in having a conversation. Now, I know he speaks to me in other ways throughout my life through his word the Bible, through ideas or thoughts that kind of begin to blossom and bloom when they're watered with the word from the Bible and and from the counsel of godly people in my life. And often he speaks to me by just following him one step at a time what I think he might want me to do next. And and then it's kind of confirmed as I move on through life that this is the path he wants me on. But how could I hear his voice? How could I be sure what direction he wanted me to go in life? There's times where a pastor has preached and then said, we're going to take a few minutes at the end here to listen for God's voice and and ask him this. And, And I would sit and nothing, nothing would come. He's not talking to me. Well, all the ways I mentioned before are valid ways to hear God's voice so that you know how to obey Him. But in reality, I haven't heard His voice sometimes because I often haven't given Him the opportunity to speak to me by really listening. Like Miriam, when I ask Him a question and then just wait, He does answer. I have practiced it, I've put in practice that I'm not leaving this spot until I hear from you. And He gives me a word an impression or, or even a word picture my responsibility is to be patient wait be quiet and don't give up until i hear from him there are a couple ways to start hearing god's voice and know what he wants you to do so start number one with biblical commands Whatever we may think we hear from God in those quiet moments needs to line up with what He has already told us in the Bible. That means you have to know what's in the Bible, right? And yet, I personally know someone who probably, he was a Christian, but probably struggling with some of that lordship when he came to us and told us that God told him to leave his wife and marry his girlfriend. That is absolutely opposite of what God teaches in the Bible, what He's already revealed to us in His Word. So this guy couldn't possibly have been hearing God's voice because God will not contradict His written Word. Read your Bible. Ideally, read it daily. If you miss a day or two or three or a week, don't berate yourself for missing in and for failing again. Just jump back in and start reading again. Just keep at it. Never give up. Just keep reading all your life. Here's the thing about this road that perhaps I should have mentioned from the very beginning. The entire thing is a construction zone. It's kind of like driving between Kamloops and know, Over the last couple of years as they're building the pipeline, the whole thing is a construction zone. Our road is always under construction. Just obey the road signs and just keep going. James Montgomery Boyce, again, says, we must approach the Bible humbly and with childlike faith. It is only in study of the Bible, as that is blessed by the Holy Spirit, that Christians hear Christ and discover what it means to follow Him. In reading the Bible, we study to know God, hear His voice, be changed by Him through our obedience to grow in holiness. The second thing you can do to practice hearing God's voice is listen to that quiet urge. In 1 Kings 19 in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a story about a man named Elijah. He was a prophet, serving God, desiring to obey Him. But it seemed that even though Elijah was doing what he thought God wanted him to do, was trying to obey, Everything was going wrong. The more he preached to the king and queen of Israel, the worse they treated him. Despite warning and pleading with the people of Israel, they turned their backs on God, worshiped idols, and killed his fellow prophets. When the queen threatened to kill Elijah within the next 24 hours, he ran for his life into the wilderness. He felt like he wanted to die, but what he really needed was to hear God's voice. He needed direction. He needed to know what to do next. I'll let you read 1 Kings 19 for yourself, but spoiler alert, when God finally speaks to Elijah and gives him very specific instructions to obey, God does it in a whisper, a whisper. Not in a big windstorm or an earthquake or a fire, but in a still small voice. God made sure that story was included in the Bible so that we have an example to follow. How do you hear a whisper? You get really quiet. Yeah, we're back to that, listening quietly. One of the hardest things for us to do is to be quiet and listen to God When we have big life decisions to make, or even in those quick moments uh, when you're having a difficult conversation and you need wisdom and how to obey Jesus in this situation, our typical tendency is to want to take action. We want to fix it. But God says, be quiet, listen first. Proverbs 3, five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. In those moments when you need God's direction, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not make choices on what you think is right, or what your friends think is right, or what you think will make you happy or protect your interests. Stop. Be quiet. Wait for God to put into your heart a quiet thought, a whisper that moves you in the direction that you should go in obedience to the Word of God. Ask for counsel from godly people to make sure that what you're hearing really lines up with God's Word and is what God would want a disciple of Jesus to do in obedience. Now, FYI, from personal experience, You might argue a little and and explain why you don't think that's right, whatever you might be hearing from God, if you don't want to do it. But always stop after a few minutes and surrender to God's will. It's always the best decision to obey God, even when it goes against your understanding or the understanding of other people. Well, we've come to another obstacle That urge to argue with God will get less and less as you go through life, as you begin to trust Him and and more and more with your life and understand and love Him more and trust Him more. As you experience the awe and the joy of seeing how your life turns out as you trust Him with each decision. You see, lack of trust in God is another obstacle to our obedience. Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but I am a, um, shall we say, strong-willed woman My mother said I was a strong-willed child, so I guess that makes sense. Well, God created me with a certain personality that I am humbled that He's found ways to use for Him. When that personality isn't surrendered to Him, sin raises an ugly head in my life. I was raised in a home where both of my parents um, were Christians, they were surrendered to Jesus, uh, endeavoring to obey Him, although I will admit, my dad struggled with with obedience to God most of his life. But I came to recognize my need to accept Jesus as my Savior and the Lord of my life when I was just seven years old. My mother and uh, many of the people in my church set a very good example for me to follow as they followed the commands of Jesus. Now, one of the things that I was both taught and had modeled for me was the biblical teaching of wives submitting to their husbands. It's in the book of Ephesians. It wasn't weird or abusive in any way in my experience. I was surrounded by strong, bold, joyful, godly women who were serving and leading in our church in many different ways, but all of them submitting to their husbands within this and and learning what abundant life uh, in Jesus looks like when you're in submission to God and and to your husband. So when I got married, I knew what the Bible taught, And I knew it was good because I had seen it modeled well, but that didn't make it easy. As Andy and I neared the end of the first year of our marriage, uh, the honeymoon effect had worn off somewhat. Um, I struggled to submit in the small things like whether we should attend a social gathering or not, and if we did attend, what time should we arrive and what time should we leave. Let's just say one of us is a more of a social butterfly than the other, so that was a very real source of conflict. We argued repeatedly over small things like that, and I knew that this, these kinds of small things were exactly the situations in which I was to submit. And I knew my husband wasn't being controlling, he wasn't denying me a social life, but I found it hard to give up my right to make decisions for myself and do whatever I wanted to do even if his needs weren't being met by my selfish decisions. And one day I was sitting at our kitchen table, I was feeling frustrated and angry, and I was talking to God about how I felt, how unfair the situation was, and and submission was just too hard. Suddenly a question came to my mind. Now, friends, when you hear people say, God spoke to me, or God told me, often what I'm describing is exactly what they're referring to. A thought comes to your mind that you know you would not have come up with on your own, and you recognize it as biblical truth for your situation. Well, the question that came to my mind that day was, can you submit to me? I knew it was God. I'd been developing a relationship with Him for 17 years at that point, since surrendering my life to Him as a child, And I had seen many times, I'd experienced the joy of submitting to God and seeing what He could do with my life and and the wonder that He created in in giving me that abundant life when I did surrender to Him. So I was fairly quick after to answer, yes, I can submit to you because I trusted Him. Well, immediately another question came to me. Can you submit to me through your husband? Oh, (laughs) That question humbled me. It broke me. I mean, how could I say no to that? How could I deliberately disobey God and still call myself a disciple of Jesus? My answer was yes, with God's help. And soon after that, the thought came to me that if I was going to trust God to lead me through my husband, then I'd better be praying that my husband hears God's voice. (laughs) That's a lifelong journey. Lack of trust in God to lead you is an obstacle to obedience. But trust is built through relationship. The more you build a relationship with Jesus, the greater your trust will be in his ability to truly be the Lord of your life. Start with following the commands that you read in the Bible. You know those are directly from God and are trustworthy. There's the 10 commandments, you know, do not lie, don't covet, honor your parents. Read the New Testament, both Jesus' words and in the first four books of the New Testament and all of the letters in the New Testament that God dictated people like Paul and Peter and John to write to the new churches that were emerging in the Middle East after Jesus' death and, and resurrection and ascension into heaven. Commands like, be kind, be joyful, forgive others, and love people. Some of those things definitely go against our human tendencies to try to protect our heart and to treat others the way they've treated us instead of the way we want to be treated, like the Bible says. But God's way is always the best way. And as you obey Him, even when it goes against your emotions, you find that He works out everything for His glory and your best interest and your trust in Him grows. Number three, another obstacle. It's overwhelming. I can't do all of his commands. I don't even know all of his commands. Well, guess what? We'll never know all of his commands. All the commands in the Bible, we'll never really perfectly obey them or we'll never perfectly obey the commands that we do know. God knows that. And that's why he provided forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. But there are two things I want you to know to help you overcome this obstacle. Number one, The more you read your Bible, the more you'll know what some of those commands are. And you'll see how they flow together to become not a list of do's and don'ts, but rather something that just builds character in you, making you more like Jesus. And secondly, as you surrender daily to the Lordship of Jesus, the Holy Spirit continuously shapes and changes and enables you to... Remember the commands and follow the commands that are written in the Bible. Over time, you will become amazed at the ways you change, the ways that you just naturally respond in a Christ-like manner in a situation in which previously you know you wouldn't have. That's the power of the Word of God in your life growing as you begin to obey a command, as the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind and you obey another one, and it begins just mold and shape you into the character of Christ until you naturally supernaturally, begin to just respond in a Christ-like way. You are never alone in trying to obey Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always there to help you. Ask Him, ask Him for that help. Our fourth obstacle, it's a big one in the middle of the road. Selfishness, just don't want to obey. I don't want to do what He's asking of me. You've heard the voice of God through His word or His still, small voice. You've been in a relationship with Jesus long enough to know that you're able to trust him. You've been able to trust him in the past. You know what you're hearing lines up with the word of God, but you just don't want to do it. It would disrupt your entire life and perhaps the lives of people you care about. Maybe it means breaking off a relationship that you know you need not to be in. Other people wouldn't understand your decision. It feels like letting someone else who hurt you win. It means having to admit you were wrong and set aside your pride. It's hard. It's scary. It means letting go of a dream you had you just don't want to obey. This is where the rubber meets the road. Can you hear our tires squealing? Well, they're either screeching to a halt or burning rubber taking off in pursuit of the life that God has planned for you. This is when you need to decide. Do you really want to be a disciple of Jesus? Is he really Lord of your life? Are you serious about following Jesus or you just wanna do some of the good things that he said to do? What are you willing to give up Or to do to be a follower of Christ? Only you can answer those questions. Only you can decide how much Jesus means to you. But for those of you who are still driving down this path of obedience, we're nearing the end of this leg of our journey. We're going to stop at the next town and pick up a few supplies to help us go the rest of the way. We need some practical ideas to help us keep going. Let's review what we need and grab these essential supplies. Number one, read your Bible daily. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James 1, 22 to 25. Number two, wait on God. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm forty six ten. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 27 to 28. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. And number three, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. John 16.13 You may not hear your answer in the moment, but over time, the Holy Spirit works, making you restless for change and creating in you the desires that He wants you to follow. Our road trip for today comes to an end, but the journey continues for our lifetime. A road that's always under construction, always changing and forming and making us better, making us more like Jesus. We have the supplies we need, our Bible, the Holy Spirit, and the practice of our quiet time of listening to God. Now, perhaps you listened to our travelogue today, but you haven't actually joined us on this journey. You need to make that life-changing decision to believe in Jesus and accept Him as your Savior. You can do that right now. God is always listening if you talk to Him. That's called prayer. So you can pray right now. Tell him that you recognize that you need forgiveness for your sins and that you can't do that yourself. Tell him that you believe in Jesus. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he paid the price for your sins by dying on the cross and being raised to life again. And then surrender to Jesus as your Lord. That's something all of us can do today. Whether you've been on this journey just now as you prayed that prayer, or you've been on this journey for more than 50 years, like some of us, tell him that you will obey him no matter what. Obedience is one of the things that defines us as a disciple of Jesus. So together, let's pray that we can obey and follow and become more like Jesus. God, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who never leaves us alone on this journey, but always gives us all that we need to obey you. I pray that today, God, we would hear your voice, your still, small voice, speaking to us through the Word of God, speaking to us as we stop and get quiet and wait and don't leave until you speak to us. God, let us hear you so that we can obey you. Holy Spirit, help us. Give us the strength we need. Give us the ears to hear. Give us the desire to obey And help us to take that action and actually do whatever it is that God is calling us to do. Thank you, God, for your great love for us, that you're not going to call us to something that is terrible or that we hate or that is is, a burden on us, but rather you say that your burden is light on us. Help us to trust you more. And thank you for always being with us, to guide us, to teach us, and that your desire is that we would become more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.